Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Into the Burrow podcast. My name is Jared, and joining me is... Riley! And uh, we got a new show for you, so I know it's been a while since we had recorded anything, but we are back. Both of us are here, which is really super (laughs) important. Uh, And we got a new show for you. You probably noticed at some point, um, if you were paying attention, that our feeds on um, all of the platforms that we were available on that you had subscribed to were only allowing 10 episodes to be posted at a time. Which we didn't notice. Which we didn't notice until, like, just recently. So yeah. uh, we um, we basically what we did is we just reshaped the whole entire show. We took all of those old episodes down, except for the Scream Resurrection um, episodes, uh, which are now listed as bonus episodes, so you can find those on the feed. But all the rest of the older podcast episodes, you're going to have to go back on our website at theboroughreviews.com under the podcast section to find. But going forward, uh, we are now listed everywhere that you can get podcasts. Everywhere. So everywhere. If you listen on Stitcher now, we're there. iHeartRadio, we're there. We're everywhere. We got approved for everything, and we are all good to go, um, which I'm really excited about that we're going to be able to reach more people. Um But yeah, going forward, uh, new format. We have got um, kind of a neat little show put together for you. We're going to start actually pre-planning these a little bit better than we did before. Um, So they're actually going to be a little bit more structured. I mean, they were structured before, but Mm -hmm. I feel like this is going to be a lot smoother. Um, How's life been since the last time we we did an episode? It's been a while. Was the last one the Scream ones? Um... Yeah, and that well, wasn't those even were videos. those were videos. I turned them into podcasts. Oh, you're a uh, so I went ahead and just did that and took care of it all. But uh, was that the last like podcast that you were on? You were on one of the Game of Thrones. Yeah. You were never on one of the Big Little Lies episodes. No, because I didn't watch Big Little Lies. That's uh, not my fault. Poor Barry. Um, so also not my fault. So uh, I feel like this is your first episode since maybe possibly April. Um, oh my gosh, time goes quick. Yeah, so we're both back. Uh, it's going to be a lot better with two of us here, I feel like. I don't know how you feel about that. But you're saying I'm good at podcasting? It just helps when I have someone here. Um, and oh, I know, so you're saying I'm not good at podcasting. No, no, you are. You are. You are. The issue is. It wouldn't matter. No, the issue is uh, I get really sick really quick when I'm talking for long periods of time. Oh. And so, like, you can go back and for anyone who wants to, you can go back on those older episodes and you'll actually like see my voice start to crumble are you um, kidding me no you will like and well that was also springtime so my allergies were Whatever. rampant ever you're a weenie i thought no. you wanted to teach one day how are you supposed <laughs> to teach if you can't even do it in a podcast episode by yourself without losing your voice i listen i'll we'll Didn't get you there used to be in theater well yes i, I Didn't you used to be an actor yes uh yes used to be uh, being the key phrase it's there. It's been literally like four years. And look where we are. I'm not oh, an actor anymore. <laughs> so this is what I do. This is what I do. I just go to class, I go to work, and I do this in my free time, and that's where we're at. That's so sad. Uh, it is a little bit sad. Um, outside of that, uh, I feel like um, this semester has been a lot, so I apologize for the lack of content on the... I shouldn't be apologizing because I'm just no, so busy. it's been busy. But uh, yeah, it's been really busy. Uh, work full-time, school full-time. It's the, quite the norm. Um, however, I'm in my last year, so I've got my capstone this year. I've got all my upper-level courses, so I'm really just... Um, trying to get those done and trying to do good in those classes, which I think has worked out. Um, Last semester, you know, I got on the dean's list for the first time, and uh, the looks of it this semester alone, I must say that it's 
possible for me to make that a second year in a row where I'm on the dean's list. I bet you will. So um, at least from where we're at at this point in the semester, we're a little over halfway through. Um, so we'll get there. We'll do it. We'll complete it. I'll have my degree. And then after that, going forward, we should have a lot of time to do things. Um, or I should, anyway, have a lot of time to do things. I don't know what your schedule looks like. Uh, but you just got a new job, too. Um, and you like your new job. And, I really uh, love my new job. Yeah. So it's it's looking, things are looking up for the Into the Borough team here. Uh <laughs> We wanted to kind of start off with news, and then we'll move into a couple of reviews for you guys. And then uh, we have a couple of themed uh, topics that we're going to cover. Oh. Uh, we got some polls up, so we're going to kind of dive into some of those and then encourage you to go vote on some of those polls. Before I get started, I must say, if you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you're listening this um, to this on. I do pay attention to those things. I really didn't have a good grasp of stats and statistics beforehand, but guess what? Now I have the capability of tracking where things are coming from and who's doing what and how many views and comments we're getting in from who. Right. He's stalking every single one of you. So, uh, you know, it is Halloween. Uh, so I am watching. Um, and, (laughs) uh, no, but seriously, it does help us tons. If you, if you do end up subscribing and if you like this episode, share it, um, share it with your friends, share it with your family, uh, you know, spread the word, spread the love. Uh, that's what we need to do on this planet. Uh-huh. Anyway, Where are you going with I, I feel like I'm on the post float podcast right now with that last sentence. Which is so funny because I literally was just reading an email from them being like, oh, we have a podcast now. And I was like, it's not your time. This is y- not the place. Yeah. Well, no, it's on their site. It's on their site, too. Um, Why are you promoting them? What? I don't we know. We're a rival podcast in Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, two very distinct markets. They are not a rival to us whatsoever. Um, but, uh, no, I just felt like that line... I can't wait for one of them to hear you say the words, they are not a rival to us whatsoever. <laughs> Listen, I'm I have... That. I'm taking that out of context and sending it to them. <laughs> yeah, just just shave the clip down. I think we can do that on, on our hosting yeah, platform. Yeah, just, can... just you saying that they're no match. Yeah, no, precisely. Uh, no, I just felt like that line was very much something that would have been said on their podcast. Um... So I, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I won't give them shout outs anymore if you don't want me to, I guess. Look at that. Um, I, by the way, I think I'm supposed to be on their podcast on Monday, but I have... Not after this. No, not after this. And not only this, but I also have, um, I have an, a midterm essay to do on my spring break or not oh, spring so break on my like fall you break. Don't have time for them anymore. So I don't think I have time to record the podcast for an hour right before I clean. So, um... I'll figure that out. Anyway. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Anyway, uh, why don't we get started on some of the news topics that we have here. I wanted to first talk about Scorsese's Marvel comments um, because they're interesting. Uh, And he's been asked about it quite a few times just for clarification. Um, But he, he was talking to CNET. Um, and initially this was during the BFI London Film Festival. Um, Martin Scorsese had went on record saying that, quote, theaters have become amusement parks. Um, And then he continued with, that is all fine and good, but don't invade everything else in that sense. That is fine and good for those who enjoy that type of film. And by the way, knowing what goes into them now, I admire what they do. It's not my kind of thing. It's simply not. It's creating another kind of audience that thinks cinema is that. Um, and then he went on about, um, just the superhero, you know, um, blockbusters that we're getting. And he said, quote, it's not cinema, it's something else. 
Um, and then he continued again with, we shouldn't be invaded by it. We need cinemas to step up and show films uh, that are narrative films. So um, first off, uh, I love the guy a lot and I like and appreciate a lot of his work. Um, they are narrative films. <laughs> yeah. Now they might be limited in scope and in um, nuance, right? Like there's not much nuance to Marvel films or DC films or any other, you know, Cape and Crusader film. But at the same time, it's bringing people to the movies. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, people are going out in record numbers to see these movies. And, um, you know, Avengers Endgame just passed, you know, Avatar not that long ago for like total box office revenue. Like it's the highest grossing film of all times. Of course, not a, not adjusted for inflation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, it's something that people are... I How I view cinema is a shared experience, right? Um, you're going to the theater, specifically the, the idea of going to the theater, the movie-going mm-hmm. audience. You know, you're just in this theater with people sharing an experience of a film. That's cinema to me, yeah. right? Cinema can not only be that. Cinema can be more narrative, more independent films that are nuanced and that are taking, you know, themes and um, certain certain type of stories that often aren't, you know, box office juggernauts. Oh, for sure. It can be multiple things at once, which is why I'm not sure why he w- had to say that, you know, these superhero films weren't cinema. How do you feel about the whole situation? Well, I mean, I feel like it's really applicable to something that you and I have been discussing a lot recently with the way... Um, cinema specifically with theaters are moving forward with the Chinese marketing strategy. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's probably a lot of where his clear panic is coming from. As it should be, I feel. Uh, yeah, as I understand. it should be. So while, you know, maybe the way he said it wasn't super awesome, um, because they're still good movies, um, and you can still appreciate them and have fun watching them, especially within a group setting or even individually, like you said, um, you know, we are, we are moving into the age where it's more about the entertainment value mm-hmm. of movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree. Much like a theme park. So so in that way, he is correct, you know, where, where we have these moments in films, like in Avengers Endgame, where we're getting um, fan service because it's entertainment, because you have to, you have to give the people what they want. Um, and I don't think Martin Scorsese is really one to give the people what, what they want all the time. So, yeah, well, and the thing with him is he truly is, you know, one of the best filmmakers of our time and really of just, you know, the invention, but, you know, just going back all the way to the invention of narrative cinema, he really has been one of the prolific filmmakers of cinema's history. Yeah. And, um, and here's the thing with Martin Scorsese, right? He's saying all of this, but uh, people are asking him about The Irishman, which is coming out here in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes out in November at some point. And he, you know, people are asking him, well, why go to Netflix? And he and he was quoted saying, like, the film has to be made. Like, I want to share my story. And if the only person that's going to pick up the story is Netflix... So be it. Oh my God, absolutely. Right? Um, so it's really interesting that um, we have someone like him 
Because he's not one of those people that, you know, Netflix can't compete at the Oscars or, like, that whole controversy. All of these things intersect with one another, so it's really interesting to see how a filmmaker or, you know, anyone in the entertainment industry views one issue over the other, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, there can be some flip-flopping there. However, I feel like, for the most part, he's being consistent with what he's saying in terms of his logic and his ideology. Um, But it just kind of threw everyone off. Like, I just, I saw a bunch of reactions on Twitter and on social media that uh, people were just so confused that he would come out and say that that's not cinema. But again, cinema is different for everyone and it's all interpretive. And just because he says it's not cinema doesn't mean that it's not cinema. No, correct. So don't, I like... It's one of those things where it's just an interesting comment um, that was made mm-hmm. that we should be like, oh, that's interesting how he views it. But he's not attacking the films themselves. No. Um, so and he's not attacking the work that goes into him. He said and I, I saw a lot of reports leaving that part out where he said, I admire the work that goes into making movies like that. Um But it's not like he's not calling him films or movies. He's Mm -hmm. just not saying it's cinema. Which, if you know anything about film theory, film theory is founded on the question of what is cinema. Mm -hmm. It's not, is this a movie or is that a movie? It's, what is cinema supposed to be? And so that's what he's talking about there. And people that don't have that understanding of the basis of film theory might not fully comprehend what he's saying there um they might view it as an attack on filmmaking itself which it is not so Mm -hmm. i just wanted to clarify that um i know a lot of people were upset about it um but he also talked about uh the idea of director's cuts um and so he said you know specifically with uh, he has a four hour long cut of the wolf of wall street somewhere (laughs) right um an assembly cut and he is, uh, you know, one that doesn't agree with director's cuts. Um, you know, whatever comes out theatrically or whatever comes out the first time, rather, with the, you know, streaming model is the movie that's best fit for that theatrical release. Yeah. Um, and that's his view on it. And so I thought that was really interesting as well, because a lot of times these um, fancy, fancy, manchy, well, I butchered that. Fancy, manchy. Um, <laughs> these fancy directors, you know, uh-huh. or directors that have, um, you know, kind of this, uh, you know, um, record of like just really high quality art. Oftentimes, oftentimes will move to something like a director's cut. Mm-hmm. Take Quentin Tarantino, for instance. He just released, um, I know you don't want to talk about it, but he just released um, the Hateful Eight extended cut on Netflix as like a, as a, you know, um, as a series almost like um, any other show would be. Like he released it in small 50 minute parts like that. And so, um, I don't care about anything that man does. Yes, I know. But, uh, but that's what I mean. But someone whose work is respected, um, as much as Quentin Tarantino usually like to kind of show everyone what they had and what their initial cut was like and what they intended the film to be before it was cut down for theatrical Mm -hmm. releases. So, you know, it's really interesting that he's not one to kind of take on that mantle and do the same. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you guess? I don't know. I'm just stuck on Quentin Tarantino, and I'm mad. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Sore subject. But I thought that, that was a really interesting thing that, that Tarantino did, mm-hmm. specifically for the streaming model, is to cut it up into, like, um, I, I can't remember if it was, like, how many parts the series had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was long. I mean, it's a long... And I meant to, like, watch it, but I just didn't have time for it. 
Um, but I, I, I do want to see more director's cuts. I know Ari Aster has a director's cut of Midsummer uh, that played in theaters as well for a limited oh release. And um, I did want to go see his extended cut for how, that movie. How long is that one? Um, I, I want to say it was like three and a half hours. Um, and, how long uh, was, the, was the one that you saw? It's like 2.40. Okay. Um, so it was nearing three hours, but not quite. So there's an additional 40 minutes, 30, 40 minutes that um, I think, don't quote me on this because <laughs> I don't have any information pulled up. But from my knowledge, from my memory, like I, f- I feel like it was three hours and 30, 40 minutes, somewhere like that. Um, so there's a lot of additional content. That's a lot of time. There's a lot of additional content to that, and I want to go see it. And believe me, um, it's out right now, I think, so I can go buy it, and I will go buy the director's will cut. Will you... I will go by the director's cut. So, um, moving on, let's uh, let's move on to Terminator Dark Fates uh, MPA MPAA rating. Um, they rated it R. An R for uh, violence throughout. Oh, I just literally closed the article that I had pulled up about it too. I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> so uh, people were really happy about this news, specifically um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Yeah, that too. Uh, I've heard people conflicted on that, but I do know one thing um, that people were that had an you know people were just. What do you mean you've specifically you've heard conflicted things about that? About Arnold Schwarzenegger being back? No, about him being so excited that it's an R-rated film. Oh yes. Oh well, as he should be. Um, so I am on this side. So let me let me just say that and get my bias out there. Yeah, for real. Um, the. R-rated Terminators seem to be better than the PG-13 rated Terminators. And yes. there's a clear difference in how they're approaching story. Well, there's a clear reason for that. There is. For what you can show. Well, for and what... how you can portray it. Yes, exactly. But it was a ploy to make more money, and we've seen diminishing box office returns each entry that they have. Um, so... It's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, maybe the PG-13 thing isn't working out, and that's not why people came here for this big blockbuster, you know, spectacle, which Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say that either, because the second Terminator is a blockbuster movie through and through. It's one of the most entertaining theatrical experiences. I haven't had the pleasure of seeing it on on the screen, but the big screen. The big screen. But I, I would love to, at some point, watch that on the big screen. Uh, I know the Alamo in Omaha is doing a screening of the original Terminator with Michael um, Ben coming back. Um, really? So uh, I don't know if you remember the actor who played Reese in the original Terminator, uh, the one from... I don't remember anyone's names from any of the Okay, he was the one that came... Fr- he was like the good guy in the first movie that was helping protect Sarah Connor. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is going to be at that Alamo screening for a Q&A type session. Oh. And this is, I, I don't even know when this is, but it's oh, it's in Omaha. It's like right here, like right around the corner from us. And we could go. They added a second screening because the first screening sold out so fast. Oh my God. Um, but again, to tie back into the MPA rating, um, I feel like this will help more than anything. Tim Miller, who directed this movie, directed the first Deadpool. So that alone should tell yeah, you I right there that. The push for an R rating, um, especially with the with the success of Deadpool, you know, um, people didn't know how that was going to work out with Deadpool. They're like, yeah, well, it's an R rating, but how many people are going to turn out for your movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, it ended up being one of the highest grossing R rated films ever. 
So there you go for that. Now, I don't think this will, just because of the baggage of the franchise at this point, I don't know that we'll see the same type of numbers for this movie, particularly. Um, but what I do know is that um, you're probably going to see a higher return than like Terminator Genesis or Terminator Salvation, which were the last two entries um, into the franchise. And so... Um, and those were the only two that weren't R ratings, correct? No, there was three. Um, so if we go on IMDb here uh, and we go to Terminator Films. No, there was three, I believe. Um, there was three R-rated... So we had... Um, no, two, there was two PG-13s. Right. You're right, yes. Two pg thirteen. I'm sorry, could you repeat that for me slower? You're right. <laughs> you are correct. Can someone isolate that and send that to me for a ringtone? <laughs> Please and thank you. Uh, so you're right. Uh, Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis, both PG-13, didn't really do much for the franchise. Um, even though I liked Terminator Genesis, uh, I know a lot of people didn't. It wasn't my favorite of the franchise by far, but, you know, it was still... a controversial friend. You know, sometimes I can be, yes. You're a controversial boy. Uh, so I'm really excited that they're going back to that. And, um, I, you know, Tim Miller recently did the, uh, the Netflix animated series Love, Death, Robots. Mm -hmm. um, he had a hand in producing that. Um, and... I, I don't know if he directed a couple episodes. I think he might have just produced it. But um, I don't know if you checked out any of those episodes on Love, Death, Robots. I've been in the room when you watched yeah. a couple of them. And uh, they were okay. I would say overall it was it was pretty decent. So I'm really excited to see what he does here with the return of Linda Hamilton, with the return of Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, with Mackenzie Davis in there as the as the new like protagonist Terminator. Like I think that's, that's pretty cool. We have... Um, the actor who played John Connor in Terminator 2, Judgment mm -hmm. Day, back as an adult, um, Edward Furlong or something, um, I think is what his name is. He's had a, a lot of trouble, <laughs> uh, as child actors sometimes do, yeah. uh, but he had quite a bit of trouble and he really hasn't had much of anything recently, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm just overall really excited for it. Um, I think the trailers have looked really solid not maybe not groundbreak groundbreaking or great like but still um, solid trailers com comparatively like when you're looking at the franchises that are now scrapping you know um a lot of their lore and a lot of their um canon yeah. uh, much like i feel like terminator dark fate is a lot like halloween in the sense of we're gonna scrap everything um, after the second, and in Halloween's case, it was everything after the first that they scrapped, yeah. and go back to just what the original was, and that seems to be what they're trying to attempt to do with this, and uh, it worked really well for Halloween, but I do feel like Halloween had better trailers and a lot stronger response from audience, um, you know, audience and moviegoers, just because I haven't seen very many people really talk about this movie on social media too much. Have you? No, I, I really haven't, besides, you know, like, Angry Joe on YouTube, that, that review that we watched of the trailer reaction. He doesn't think it's going to be any good. No, he doesn't, but I, you know what, I'm actually not mad. I, I'm, I'm excited. I think it'll look, I think it looks really good, and I don't know, the way Mr. Schwarzenegger has been talking about <laughs> it, especially after this R rating came out, has me feeling excited, too, because yeah. it sounds like it's a real return to form for them. 
I don't trust anything that any of them say. I know James Cameron says he really likes this. James Cameron has said that he likes everything that he's produced. Um, because again, he's, you know, I feel like he would do himself more harm if he went on the hate train for these movies that are coming out, even if he's not producing them. Like, I don't think he produced, um, I don't think he produced Salvation at all. And Mm -hmm. he had really positive things to say about Salvation. People didn't like Salvation. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so I don't necessarily trust what any of them say, but the fact that it gets an R rating is um, noteworthy to me. Did you hear why it got an R rating? Uh, all I saw was violence throughout. Violence throughout, language, and brief nudity. Ooh, brief? Well, uh, oh, so we're going back to the initial yep. shots. of. Well, and, okay, I want to read some of Arnold's comments about this. Um, because he said, I was so delighted. I was sick and tired with the last time when the studio decided to make it a PG-13 rating just because they thought there were more dollars in there. That's not Terminator. He said, uh... I was so angry about them trying to cut out the blood and gore. In this movie, we have the gore. We have the blood. I'm not even going to talk about what I do in this movie. Gabriel literally cuts people's to, people to shreds. There's blood. There's gore. There's guts. You can see the heart being ripped out. Oh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> brutal uh, comment. Uh, what you did, if you saw the Red Band trailer, Gabriel Luna literally has a scene where he's, like, um, talking about his lethal weapons, which is his whole entire body. Yeah. And then you just see him cut up a bunch of guards. Ripping through people. Um, Yeah, no. That makes me excited. Um, That makes me excited. I'm glad to hear that. Um, uh, Why don't we move on to the (laughs) Studio Ghibli um, whole shtick, shebang, debacle. A little back and forth that just happened there? Yeah, so why I... Why don't you tell us what was first down on the list for us to talk about so, today, Jared? So, when I was doing the show notes last night, I sat down and I was like, I saw some really interesting articles about Studio Ghibli, um, you know, saying that their movies aren't going to be... Not them, but, like, insiders saying that mm-hmm. they're, they weren't going to put any of their films, their animated films, on any streaming service. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, that's really interesting. Let me go put that down on the show notes. And, uh... What do you know? The moment that uh, I put it down, um, we and get an we, updated story today that... Uh, we go to talk about it, and I yeah. go, oh, hold on, Jared. Uh, hold on for just one moment, Jared. <laughs> because uh, as of literally today, uh, Studio Ghibli has announced, specifically Warner Media announced, um, the acquisition of streaming rights to the Studio Ghibli catalog, um, which will be live exclusively on HBO Max spring, beginning in spring 2020. Look, HBO Max, let me just say right now, uh, I will be getting HBO Max because here's the thing. So Warner Media um, partnered with, with HBO on mm-hmm. this, right? So not only do you have HBO's entire catalog on this streaming service, but you also have all of Warner Media's content on this streaming service. And apparently now you have Studio Ghibli films on there. Um, and it makes sense because they've had, reading about it, they've had a long history and complications with uh, with Disney specifically. So it's no surprise that they don't. Like, I'm talking like Disney cutting their films and um, by like as much as like 20 minutes. Yeah, here, right here. Um, so a breakout film... Um, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind was butchered by U.S. distributors who cut 20 minutes from the film and released it with the kid-friendly title Warriors of the Wind. Mm -hmm. Um, Princess Mononoke, um, who uh, 
that I've I've seen a lot of people really like I haven't watched Princess Mononoke, but I remember working at the theater and, and running, you know, shows of it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, people really seem to like that a lot. Uh, and apparently Harvey Weinstein and his company edited that um, like no other and uh, made the yeah. producers of, um, you know, Studio Ghibli very, very mad. And apparently there is at one point um, one of the producers sent them a um, katana with the no, no cuts attached to it. Uh, so they were upset. L- listen, yeah. Studio Ghibli does not like Disney. So it makes sense for them to partner with, um, you know, with Warner Media and HBO Max. And I think that streaming service, by the way, is only going to cost 15 or 16 dollars which mm-hmm. if you already pay for hbo go is hbo go is already 15 yeah so pay a dollar more get all of warner media's content get all studio ghibli films or whichever ones that they're planning to you know put on that streaming service and you get all of hbo's content that's a pretty sweet deal well i i i mean disney this was a real this was a real shoot and a miss for disney i feel like because the studio ghibli movies are a big mm-hmm. deal. Yes, they are. And to lose out on that deal specifically and to then move forward with, you know, this specifically an animated service. I mean, I know they have shows that aren't animated, but that's what Disney's known for. So to lose something like Studio Ghibli specifically to HBO Max, ouch. Yeah. Big but, ouch. But also, I mean, it, it, they're fine. Disney's not going to be hurt by this at all. It no, just sucks but, because they could have got how much more viewership and how many more well, subscribers. Yeah, and just as a brand itself, like, to to set your base on something like animated movies, which is whatever Disney goes out into, that will always be their base. Yeah. To lose out on animated movies... <laughs> Yeah, it's, what are you doing? It's a big ouch. Um, I guess moving on. Um, <laughs> Just moving on past well, this controversial look, topic. It is kind of controversial, but Disney has enough. They're pouring like $200 million or something like that into that Hawkeye show that they have. They're going to get a lot of... I forgot of, that was even a thing. Yes, they're. I mean, they're going to get a lot of viewership and a lot of attraction and a lot of retention among their subscribers just with how much they're putting out on that streaming service. I mean, you're going to get all Disney movie originals. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, they have a lot. Like, it's tons, thousands of titles. So... I guess. They're go- they're going to have their own. Um, but it just... I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily hurt them, but it doesn't look great that Studio Ghibli was like, yeah, I'm not actually going to uh, work with you here. Or that they even offloaded the deal itself to G-Kids. Yeah. Fools. Yeah. They are fools. Because they have the money. They have the money to get the rights and fools. the exclusivity of it. And they just... Um, they they were it. fools. <laughs> Well, it's part of their censorship. They like they at this point they seem to like cutting things down Ooh, and now you're going off. No, no, now I am. Okay, this all let me backtrack <laughs> here. Let me backtrack here. I've had issues with Disney this year. I wanted to do You're still going off. much more about Fox Searchlight being canned by Disney and the whole Jojo Rabbit incident. And what was that other movie that was taken off? Um of the of the um like they 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 didn't play it in theaters oh, because um, because of the content of it um it was like a it was like um like a post I, w- I don't want to say post apocalyptic but it was like a um I know exactly I can't you know what I mean you I'm know what I'm talking to, about watch me about to Google this because I can't it was like a like a futuristic like <sighs> movie about where um, people are being hunted by one another super divided politically. Um, 
and they chose not to put it in theaters and then they were talking about how they feel that Jojo Rabbit the hunt the hunt I literally just looked up liberal apocalypse movie (laughs) (laughs) and it immediately pulled up there were so many people like out against that movie, oh. but they took it off of their um, off their distribution calendar. And I hate all of these news sources. Yeah, they're not good. The Com- Conservapedia. The conser- <laughs> <laughs> conservative.com. <laughs> okay. New liberal apocalypse. <laughs> um. Ooh. Yeah. Ouch. But um. Oh. So. I, I wanted to talk about all of that just because Disney, it seemed like for a while there, was really going after things like this and really trying to basically do what China's doing right worst. now. And that's all I'm going to say about China because that's a whole nother issue. But uh, anyway, um, you know, on. you can harvest organs. You can do whatever you want okay, and get away with it. Back. It's okay. Um, anyway, uh, let's, yeah, <laughs> let's move on. Um, so our last news story topic that I wanted to cover real quick here, uh, just because I thought it was a really interesting piece that IndieWire put out. Um, so Africa this year specifically has more Oscar submissions uh, than ever for their um, their uh, international, you know, best uh, mm-hmm. feature film category. Um, but uh, are they going to be nominated? And that's, that's a really, really good question. Um, so... The international feature film category um, at this year's, um, well, this coming year's Academy mm-hmm. um, Awards, uh, which is the 92nd show, by the way, which oh, it's been going on for a while. Um, yeah, so 10 films that were submitted came from Africa, uh, which is a new record for the continent. Um, but none of the titles yet have been shortlisted to make the top five oh, list. Oh, um, And so what I found really interesting by this, uh, and IndieWire does lay out that um, Atlantics, uh, which was a 2019 uh, Cannes Grand, um, Grand Prix winner. Um, Grand Prix. Yeah, I don't know why I said Grand Prix. <laughs> Grand Prix winner, uh, which was acquired by Netflix, probably has the strongest chance of getting into this category, at least maybe not winning, but getting there. Um, but the last time a film representing Africa won this category, um, it was a film from South Africa in 2006. Um, so it's been quite a minute since uh, one was even, you know, considered for this award. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, yeah. And so now that they have the record-breaking, you know, 10 entries, I wonder if there's a chance that we could be seeing you know, at least something make the short list, but it's really spotty on whether it's going to happen or not. And I just thought it was really interesting because oftentimes, I mean, we've had a lot of, um, a lot of Mexican filmmakers that have, uh, that have won Oscars. Like if you think about the best directors in the past few years, you have, um, uh, Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water, uh, you have Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, and you have, um, Alejandro... Um, and you are too, uh, I don't know, I don't know how you say his, his name. I'd have to look his name up. Um, but the director of The Revenant and, uh, and, um, you know, he won for best director. So the past three or four best directors, I'm forgetting now because I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, and, uh, Mm -hmm. these directors have all come from Mexico the past, you know, few times at the Oscars for the best director category. And so it's not like, it's not like 
these films have no chance and their their filmmakers have no chance at winning these awards. It's just all a matter of consideration and um, what we value as an international film and from an international film, right? Yeah. And uh, it's 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 just really interesting to see kind of where our um, cultural lens is at, right? Uh, specifically when we're when we're talking about a voting block of people. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just love the fact that you went for where our cultural lens is. Well, it. I mean, it is exactly that. It's where are we looking for things and where are we looking for talent? And the mm-hmm. truth is talent can come from anywhere. So when you, when you break a news story like this, that's like, hey, by the way, we've completely forgot about a whole entire continent. Uh, and do a lot to not pay attention to. That's concerning. Like, that's very concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just really... Now I'm going to be paying attention to this. Listen. You're listen like, here. I'm, I'm ready to talk I'm about it. I'm keyed in. I'm ready for this. I'm ready to talk about it. I'm ready to watch these films oh, and yeah. and go out and, you know, promote these films mm-hmm. so that they get more attention. Um, but it's all going to come down to what we do as film fans and how we are able to put pressure on the voting blocks of the Academy. And the Academy has done a good job at the past few years of, you know, um, diversifying their pool, right, mm-hmm. of members. And so if we continue that very trend... Recently, yes. Yes, if we continue... Yes, very, re- like, past mm-hmm. year and a half. Uh, but if we continue this trend, hopefully we get to a point where we're not ignoring entire continents um, that are contributing just as much yeah. as every other continent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're... Uh, considering like the resources people have um, like it's incredible that they're they're able to go out and submit or at least push for 10 of their films to be included into this you know best international feature category yeah so um, I just thought it was a really interesting article that I came across and I wanted to talk about it because I didn't know too much about it and now I know a lot about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I really encourage you to go out and and at least watch these films, keep your eye on these films for when you can get a hold of them. And then when the time comes, if you feel like a certain film is deserving of a category, say so. Speak out. Definitely. Um, that's, that's how we get attention where it needs to be. Yeah, I agree. Um, anything you want to add to that story? No. That story is just me more supporting you in the background. Like, yeah, Jared, go off. Yeah. Go off about this thing that you're very passionate about. Go off. Okay. I just think... I don't give a shit about the Academy. I just think some of the best films that I've seen in recent years have not been... uh, They've been foreign films. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think excluding foreign films as a whole. Like, the whole, like, issue last year of Roma not being... Not winning, like, the best feature film category at the Oscars, but instead winning the best international film. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we... Why are we doing that? Why are we distinguishing between what's foreign and what's not? You know why. I, I mean, I do know why, but, like, at the same time, it, it's so frustrating. It's like, well, okay, then. Mm-hmm. So then, should our films be put into another category, um, you know, here in the U.S., if we're talking about festivals and and you know whole entire voting blocks and mm-hmm. academy members in different countries so well yeah if we go off the way that it's been set up so far it absolutely should yeah i know but i'm i'm the the thing is like no but that's what i'm saying if if we were treated the way that we treat exactly how would films, we feel about it and we would feel a certain type of way yes 
and uh, it's just we we really need to put more into consideration of of other people and their contributions to uh, humanity as a whole. That's not that's not how we roll, Jared. Anyway, uh, no, obviously not. Um, we're going to now. Um, I know that was really dark, so let's wow, move off we of that. Dipping into real controversial I know, topics here. I know, and we haven't even gotten to the reviews yet. Oh my god. Okay, we're gonna have to <laughs> do the reviews real we're fast have to here. Get it together. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Okay, uh-huh. I'm overriding uh, executive decision. We're going to do a rapid uh, mm, two-minute review of the Joker. Oh. Um, so I'm going to go real quick. We're going to go I real would like qu- to go first. Okay, you go first. Uh, the Joker, 2019, directed by Todd Phillips, starring Joaquin Phoenix in the title mm-hmm. role yep. um, with Robert De Niro and also Zazie Beetz. Go. I didn't like it. Okay. Bam. Done. That's it. Done. <laughs> um, uh, it was it was a really uncomfortable experience for me. Um, I would like to say partly due, in fact, to the increase in scrutiny around that film and people entering that film. I f- felt unsafe the entire time we were in that theater, which was crazy because they were such a insane amount of security guards and managers coming in several times throughout the movie to check to make sure that the emergency exits hadn't been tampered with. Um, and I was just constantly afraid. Mm-hmm. which is not the feeling that you want in any movie <laughs> ever. Um, but that is such as the world we live in. But to add that then on top of, of the very dark, violent um, nature. Mid- nature of that entire film, um, it was just too much to deal with. As a person who likes a lot of dark movies and likes dark-themed movies, um as you and I have said multiple times, there's a difference between dark and mean-spirited. Yes. Um, and that that film leans a certain way for me. I understand that it doesn't for a, apparently a large majority of the people that see that movie. Um, but I, it just wasn't a good, it wasn't a good movie experience, both because of what was happening outside the film and what the film did for me, which was uh, nothing. So. <laughs> yeah, it felt very empty and shallow and pointless and... Um, I left the theater, um, A, feeling like I needed a shower, but also B, like, I had no faith in humanity. Like, I had no faith in humanity. And no. what the, And what the film's getting at is the larger institutional challenges that people face. But um, it's done in such a way that feels pointless and, um, and like, you, like you had said earlier, mean-spirited. It just wasn't a nice film. No, it made me um, feel yucky. And we while literally this, came home and both sat on the couch, and I was like, "Well, there's my depression." <laughs> and and while the score and while Joaquin's performance here is magnificent, mm-hmm. um, there it's just how you how how you feel overall about the film after you're leaving the theater, and and what it did for you, and and what's sticking with you. And do you know what's stuck with me the longest? Um, that subway sequence is what stuck yeah. with me the longest, and. I turned to you after that sequence, while that sequence was occurring in the theater, and I asked you if you wanted to leave. You did. And um, how many other movies have I asked you uh, to walk out with me? It wasn't just once, either. You asked me three times if I wanted to leave. Yeah. Well, the first time, I was making sure that you were comfortable. I wasn't. The second and third (laughs) time was me being like, okay, I'm I'm done. Like, I would like to go. Yeah. Um, So, you know... And I get it, and that's not to discredit anyone else's opinion. If you liked the movie, your opinion's just as valid. But that's how we felt about it. Yeah. Um, the media really didn't do a good job. The, the media really fear-mongered the fuck out of that movie. 
and uh, it beyond really just, yeah they even went beyond fear market they perpetuated yeah they, they it's their fault <laughs> it is their fault um, and I, I I you know I think not necessarily spending too much media time on that but but still theaters you know having the audacity to go out and actually um, or the respect I should say rather than the audacity to put you know extra security. You yeah. you know, but we had security. We had managers coming in, and we also had the local police station, like monitoring the exits and stuff. So yeah. it there it was too much going on, and if entirely you, yes. And if you would have had just extra added security, it would have been much appreciated. Everyone would have moved on. It would have been fine. But no, you had to blow it completely out of proportion, and uh, it just didn't make for a great theater time. No, but, the exact opposite. <laughs> Uh, you can go read my review on Letterboxd. It's really short. I give a rating there. Um, it'll take you 10 seconds to read. <laughs> it's literally one sentence. Scan down it. But, um, okay, let's move on to something a little bit, actually not a little bit, a lot better in my opinion, which yeah. is El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. I did want to talk about that just because I didn't get the chance to review it. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. And it felt like an extension of the final season of Breaking Bad, but um, it did things differently. It was a lot uh, slower in terms of pace, mm -hmm. and uh, it still had a lot of style. Vince Gilligan directed the movie, wrote the movie. Um, Vince Gilligan, you know, had a huge hand in the... Him and Peter Gold, actually, had a huge hand in the TV show. Um, and so it felt really consistent with the show itself, even after such a long period of time of, you mm -hmm. know, leaving that story behind. And uh, I really felt that it was strong, and I felt that um, while not as exciting as Breaking Bad might be, mm -hmm. it was a good epilogue to to kind of conclude um, Jesse Pinkman's story. And they brought back some characters. Should be no surprise to anyone. I'm not going to spoil who, um, but they bring back quite a few people here, and it's really refreshing to see all these characters get to interact again. And it's shot really well, um, and it's just overall a good movie. If you're you know on Netflix and you're looking for a movie, you can't find out, you know, um, you know you don't have a good sense of what you want to watch, but you liked Breaking Bad. This is going to be a great movie to just throw on and watch. And uh, there is some action there. Um, there is some tension there, but it's not nearly on the heights of Breaking Bad, you know, final season, season level, or I would argue really any season. But again, mm -hmm. different formats. Breaking Bad had, you know, however many episodes per season to kind of flesh out the story and to build tension. And you have a two-hour movie here. And um, I still highly recommend it for anyone that likes Breaking Bad. So you should go out and watch it. And I think I gave it a 7 or a 7.5 out of 10. So really solid movie. Enjoyed it. Everyone's great. Love Aaron Paul. Um, yeah, bitch. And that's yeah, what we're moving on with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I can't comment more on that. I was sleeping. You were asleep. <laughs> you tried. You watched a couple scenes. But again, it was really, really slow. It was late when I was watching it. You were tired. There you go. I was exhausted. Um, would have felt wildly out of place uh, in the actual series, if you would have added those episodes on to the final season, it would have mm -hmm. slowed it way down. So I'm glad they didn't do that. It, it was it was good. Um, it's not necessary for you to watch this movie, but I feel like if Breaking Bad's your shit, you're going to like it. So go give that a watch. And uh, without further ado, let's um, plug our patron. 
I know we plugged liking and subscribing to our feed and all of that, but now we're gonna plug our patron. So on our patron right now, we have a poll going for our patrons and our patrons only, whether that's the $1 tier, $2 tier, $5 tier. Mm -hmm. um, so any tier on there, and you're gonna be able to vote in this poll right now. There's only one person that has voted in the poll, but it's uh, your favorite Halloween movie. And on here, I have 12 different movies. I have 12, unlike Facebook where I can only do two, I have 12 here. Who voted on the Patreon? Me. It was you? <laughs> well, I did it last night, and I don't think anyone's seen it today. Um, but we have things from 2017. We have things going back to 1970. Um, we have everything from Jaws to Get Out, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Shining, Scream, Alien, The Exorcist. We have it all. Uh, I did include Hereditary on there. Of course um, did. But we have it all on there, so I encourage you to go check that out. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what our patron is, I'm just going to reiterate, especially since this is our kind of soft reboot of an episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have a $1 tier, which is for donations. And then um, what you can also do with that $1 tier is once we get questions submitted to us, we do Q&As. Um, we haven't done any in <laughs> a year uh, just because we haven't had any questions. But uh, that tier has always been there. So you can donate a dollar, ask a question. We'll give you a shout out on Twitter and Facebook. And we'll also, you know, put out a video with your live questions being answered. So I thought that, that was really cool. We have a $2 tier, um, which is for early access to our videos that, we're, that we uh, release on our YouTube channel. Um, and so that's a really neat way to just kind of get, you know, uh, content a little bit earlier than everyone else. And then we also have Hereditary, the final tier on our Patreon. Um, which really is ex <laughs> which is exclusive videos, podcast discussions, specific reviews. Um, but also I am going to, once we get um, more people in that tier, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put out a poll um, at least once a month, if not more, to help us um, kind of steer what we're reviewing. So I'll actually put out polls and uh, I'll ask, you know, hey, well, what do you want to see? What do you want us to review? Um, what have you been really itching to hear people talk about? And we're going to talk about that, whatever you'd like. Um, so that'll be, you know, at least once a month, one, once we get more patrons. Um, I'm really excited for that just because it helps me understand what people want mm -hmm. and uh, it gives you what you want. So it's a win-win for everyone. And, uh, and like I said before, um, you know, exclusive videos, podcast discussions, once we get a certain amount of people there, we'll open up a Discord server, um, just let kind of our community here at the Borough Reviews and into the Borough Podcast kind of, you know, talk about whatever their little hearts desire. I love talking about stuff. So uh, that's what we're going to do with our patron. Um, so go check out that poll. We also have a poll on Facebook right now. Um, which is uh, kind of the same poll, but I could only do two options on Facebook. Um, how funny is it that their little image for a poll when you go to make a post has mm -hmm. three different options, but you, you're only allowed well, to. Well, it used to be three. I know. I don't know why they've started limiting that. I don't know either, but uh, right now we have Halloween, the 1978 version, or we have The Exorcist, which is from 1973. Or we also, if you go to the comments, have my submission... Talk about your submission. Before Christmas. How many people like your submission? Uh, about as many people like that like the one you voted for, <laughs> sir. Thank you very much. Um, it's four to five right now, but one of the five is you. Yes, correct. But one of my four is also you. So, yes. you know. That's <laughs> how it works around here. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think Nightmare Before Christmas is like a perfect... 
Okay, well, before we hop on to this discussion, uh-huh. why don't we just go ahead and talk about our three favorite horror slash thriller or, you know, spooky season movies. Okay. Um, just while we're talking about it, because I'm sure Nightmare Before Christmas is one of yours. You're correct. So, uh, and that's a perfect movie Which to start. Which is why I literally commented when you asked what our favorite horror movie was, <laughs> or our favorite Halloween movie, would be why I commented Nightmare Before Christmas. Even though you tried to throw out my uh, Jack Skeleton hat that I gave you Listen, in our first year of dating. there is a difference between I love this thing so much and I'm willing to wear merch about this thing. Those are two separate <laughs> things. I fall into one category, which is... I, the only thing that I'm willing to wear merch for is Harry Potter. And if I'm wearing that merch, it is an entire Harry Potter costume. It's not entirely true because you wear the Burrow merch. Um, well, you Look know at what? That. That's more of like a, I'm strong-armed into this. I live with you. <laughs> it's not like I could just like get rid of it, give it to Goodwill in front of your face. You would notice. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, just go ahead and skip over what I said. I will. <laughs> I will. Um, A Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, great movie. Yeah. Great way to start the season. Okay. Both for, like, the holiday season in general. Uh, what are your other two? No, why don't you do one? We'll go back and forth. Okay, so um, one for me is the original Halloween, since it's already been discussed. It's yeah. uh, one of the first movies outside of Scream 2 that I actually, like, got scared in, like... Legitimately, I was scared watching Halloween, and I think it was because of the pace of the movie. It's um, really frightening that someone can move so slow and and deal so much damage. Yeah, which is something we've talked about multiple times in the past couple weeks, weirdly enough, is Michael. Yes. Um, Yeah, well, it's that time of the year, you know. Uh, (laughs) And he is truly one of the horror villains that I think I would actually be frightened with. Like, like, someone's coming at me in a Michael Myers costume... Uh, you know, I, I think you'd be frightened with just about any villain because they all want to kill you. True, but Michael Myers has this kind of quality, this kind of. Um, so you'd be extra scared. This, yeah, yeah, I would be. Uh, like, who is Michael Myers? You know what I mean? Especially in the first movie, who, why, why is this guy doing this? What the we, fuck? We, we like, don't ever really know. I know, <laughs> and so that's that's kind of what scares me the most is motivation, mm-hmm. and and there is no motive. Um, so yeah, Halloween classic. Halloween. Second for you? Who I'm going to take something, and I'm going to go ahead and say the original Scream. Okay. Go ahead and yoink that right out from underneath you. All right. Well, I introduced <laughs> you to Scream, so I'll take the credit for that. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, just because I don't even think we need to explain. I think we've talked about Scream so many times on this channel, but Scream is just the quintessential, like, what I specifically look for in horror in that I am scared the entire time because I'm a weenie, but also because of the way that they set up the film and the, you know, who done it as much as it is um, a horror movie where you've got a serial killer. So it's, it's, Scream's good. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's good. And you definitely did take it from me, but that's okay. I'll improvise. Uh, we didn't have a list for this, so this is all off the <laughs> top of our head. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Alien. The original Alien. Uh, What a spooky, isolating movie. Like, you literally... Where are you going to go if that starts happening to you in space? Nowhere. You you have nowhere to go. That's that's the whole point, is that... Where is it? In space, no one can hear you scream. Yes, correct. Jared has a um, a needlepoint artwork on his wall that Linda made for him of Alien with that tagline on it. I love it. 
Um, it's it's an incredible. Good job, Linda. We love you so much. Yes, and uh, for those of you diehard The Borough Reviews fans, you'll know who Linda is from our YouTube channel. Um, we do all of the spooky movies. Uh, we got a couple coming up, Zombieland 2, Doctor Sleep. Not to plug that, but I'm going to plug it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, Alien's a really good movie. Linda is super talented with that, and she knows her horror, so... Uh, I'd be curious to know what she thinks and uh, get her opinion on that. Maybe we'll do a video of that, but that's uh, to be determined. Um, Your third entry. My third entry is going to be a bit of a throwback for me. It's the first movie I ever remember feeling real fear in. Um, And actually, Alien reminded me of it, so thank you so much, because I wasn't sure what I was going to do for my third (laughs) one. Um, Signs. Why are you making that face? <laughs> I, I don't know. Don't I just don't find signs scary at all. But when was I the understand. Last time you watched signs? It's been a while. Okay. Well, when I first watched signs, I was a wee young one. A wee young one. A wee young one. I, w- I want to say I was maybe 10. Maybe. Okay. And we were in my basement, and it was my birthday party. And it was night, and my mom told these rowdy boys in my neighborhood that we were watching a horror movie and that they should scare us. So, we're at one of the most intense parts in the film and they start hitting the side of the window from my basement. So, we're all leaning forward just like enraptured on this screen and Mm -hmm. then the window starts shaking like someone's trying to break in. Such as the alien is doing in the actual film itself. And I about peed myself. Um, so signs. So fight me, signs. I think the reason why signs doesn't get me is because I watched, um, Scary Movie 3.5 so much. Oh my god. Well, here's So the, much. And yeah, I watched it. because wait, I, I don't, I don't mess with the scary movies. And I watched it before I watched signs. So. Oh, well, you fool. <laughs> having that knowledge and then going into signs, I just was laughing at signs the whole time just because just I was referencing it to That's scary not movie signs three. Fault. I know. It's your fault. I know, but it's like, it's the phenomenon where people are like, oh, they see the scream mask and they're like, oh, scary movie. And you're like, no. Uh, no see, but that's no, the thing. No. I saw a scary movie before I saw Scream. But I'm able to differentiate those two things. Well, people aren't. So you... Um, and you just allied yourself with people. So... <laughs> I guess. But it not much scared me. It, and not much does scare me in terms of horror. Except for me literally hiding around the corner of the house. Okay, what do you that mean? Not much happen. scares you. No, I meant like movie-wise. Not much, not much gets to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you what did get to me and made me feel quite disturbed in the theater was my number three pick. Uh, and it is uh, Hereditary from 2018. And I could have gone with something a little bit older. I like mm-hmm. the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I like um, Friday the 13th, even though Friday the 13th is not the greatest movie. I find it to be highly entertaining. Damn, Jared. Um, and Friday the 13th is the kind of movie you want to throw on around Halloween time with your friends just to watch who gets murdered, you know? Oh, that whole entire franchise. Right. Yeah. Um, I tried watching Freddy vs. Jason recently. <laughs> they didn't have it on any platform, so I could not. Um, but you know what? I almost thought about it. But then I watched the trailer, and I was like, oh, no, this movie's bad. And I haven't seen it in so long, so I'm not going to spend $3 on it. So I didn't. Uh, but Hereditary, yeah. Hereditary um, is an experience for sure. And um, the first time I absolutely did not... I, coming out of the theater, I did not like it whatsoever. And then the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I watched it, it was one of those films that I was like, I understand. And I get it and it's so 
there's so much craftsmanship from Astor in that movie that uh, and the performances. I know I know Alex Wolf kind of gets hated on for like his character in that movie, who's just truly just frightened like Mm -hmm. and his character is screaming and jumping out of windows and like trying to get away from and people in the theater were were on the floor laughing and i'm like well you see here's the thing i know this isn't what we normally see in horror movies is the 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 teenage boys running away from everything but uh guess what if you had some demon shit going on some ghost (laughs) demon shit um don't know what's happening cult thing you're gonna be jumping out of windows too. Like this ain't you're right. this ain't um you know this ain't like one of those hero stories Go where off, Jared. um so like the more and more I thought about that because the first time it kind of it kind of shook me a little bit too. I was like, why is he doing these things? But then I realized like I would be doing the exact same thing. I would oh be doing God. the exact same thing. Uh, he at one point is even crying um in front me? of his friends because his sister just died and like blah 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 blah. I'm spoiling Hereditary for you at this point, but uh, you know what? It's been two years, almost, well, not really, a little over a year. You should have seen it by now. Not the same thing. (laughs) Not my problem. You just have lost out on it if you haven't seen it. So, sorry. Well, you knew that, though. (laughs) Because you you purposefully look things up. Anyway. um, Whew. Okay. What a good episode. Um, real quick, I do want to go down this IndieWire list that we didn't get to um, uh, just as a quick wrap-up. Um, this was directors talking about their favorite horror movies. Uh, IndieWire put out this article. Uh, I'm just going to name a few. Um, just some of the directors that I really like, and I'll name a few. Uh, Robert Eggers, who directed The Witch and has The Lighthouse coming out this week and next week. Um, his favorite horror film is Nosferatu. Um, Riley just found one that she would like to talk about. Uh, no, we've had a uh, we've had a last minute update on our Facebook post. Oh, did we? Okay. A seventh person has weighed in. Ooh. Um, we now it is now two to five. The Exorcist now has two instead of one. Ooh. Helen has thrown her hat into the ring. Helen, Hel- who hates Helen, horror who hates movies. Helen, who hates horror movies, but was at our party. Was watching Don't Knock Twice, which I I apparently have got to get around. Enraptured, yeah. I've got to get around to watching that because that looked um, kind of interesting. We um, were playing a rowdy game, and she wasn't even paying attention. She was only watching the movie, and the sound wasn't even on. Yeah, and she was she was focused in like hawk eyed on it too. It was yeah, pretty. Pretty abnormal for her, I would say. Uh, Guillermo del Toro on... Sorry, I didn't mean to... No, you're fine. Guillermo del Toro on Eyes Without a Face, which I haven't seen Mm -hmm. yet, but it's a 1960s French-Italian horror film. Um, And it looks really good. A plastic surgeon obsessed with performing a face transplant on his daughter after she survives a terrible car crash. Um, Okay. Of course Guillermo del Toro would like that. Um, Jordan Peele chose Misery. Oh, Misery's good. I haven't seen Misery I wouldn't, in a I wouldn't, while. I would not have... Put Misery on this list? I would not have put... I wouldn't have guessed Jordan oh, Peele for Misery. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, here's one. David Lowry on uh, Hereditary. So David Lowry, who... That. Why did I know you would pull that? Well, no. Do you know who David Lowry directed? Do you know who he is? No. He directed um, A Ghost Story, which I'm really fascinated by. That's one of... Probably in my top ten... Meh, top 50 favorite movies of all time is uh, Ghost Story. Ghost Story's in there, and I like Ghost Story a lot. So you to do. see him pick Hereditary uh, is pretty cool. two things. Christopher yeah. Nolan. Okay. Alien. There we go. Uh, along with Stanley Kubrick, Ridley Scott was a filmmaker who left a big impression on Christopher Nolan. 
as Nolan once told Media Company, the director I have always been a huge fan of, Ridley Scott, and certainly when I was a, when I was a kid, Alien Blade Runner just blew me away because they created these extraordinary worlds that were just completely immersive. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Um, huh. Okay, Chris Nolan. Okay. I respect that. <laughs> okay, Chris. Uh, B- Bo Burnham. Hmm. Raw. That's hilarious. You monster, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think Raw's really good, too. It's a movie that I um, often forget about until I see it pop up, but then I'm like, oh, Raw's so good. Um, that made my skin crawl. That movie literally made me so uncomfortable. I think you remember me telling you that I looked away at yeah. a few different points. How many times do you see me look away from something? Never. I don't. I don't look away. Uh, apparently, uh, Bo saw it three times in theaters. Hmm. What a, what a brave man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an experience to put yourself through. Um, ooh, here's one. Uh, Jennifer Kent, uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with any of Kent's work, but she's the one who directed Monster, The Babadook. Um, she's that filmmaker. She has The Nightingale coming out. Yeah, that's interesting. James Gunn. Hmm. Green Room. I you know now, I don't understand now, that movie. Uh, apparently his his list is actually topped by Jaws. That's his number one. But Green Room is in the number six position on his top fifty. Wow. I'm upset. Um. Oh, so this is really interesting. And speaking of that party where we just um, uh, put on um, we we put on a girl walks home alone at night. Mm-hmm. So Anna Lily Amapour, who directed that movie, it was her directorial debut. Um, her favorite movie is uh, from Lars von Trier, Antichrist, which mm. I haven't got gotten around to watching. Um, you can't watch any sort of Lars von Trier movie. You oh. can't handle it. Um, I'll just tell you that right now. His filmmaking is a lot like um, is a lot like uh, who ooh, who directed Climax. Um, Ooh, what's his name? I don't. Why are I, you I know his me? name. Why it's gonna are you bug me. me? Um, anyway, uh, anyway, Lars von Trier is one of those filmmakers who's just super intense with his stuff. And Antichrist is, from what I understand, uh, very disturbing. So, um, I found probably the best one on this list right now hmm. because it's hilarious considering our Facebook poll. Yeah, John Carpenter, The Exorcist. okay no the reason why i put exorcist on there is because a lot of people often say that that is their favorite horror movie for those that don't know john carpenter is the one is is the one that directed halloween Halloween. so to have halloween versus the exorcist on our facebook poll and have john carpenter sending his hat into the ring and saying it's the exorcist (laughs) he can't say his own movie (laughs) um gasper no is who i was thinking of who just directed climax uh who is uh, a lot like lars venture he's also on this list here um who else do we have tim burton's on here uh tim burton what does tim burton think the wicker man Hmm. uh karen kusama is also on here which i find fascinating um so karen kusama you you do know who karen kusama is uh, she's directed um, she's directed a lot uh, she's the one who just did Destroyer with mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman um, her favorite is Habit um, Karen Kusama I feel like let me let me just look this up so I know I get this right uh, yes she directed Jennifer's Body too oh, um, okay. so Karen Kusama kind of a polarizing figure among 
um, people, you know, some feminists who really don't like Jennifer's body whatsoever. I happen to really dig Jennifer's body, and I think it's a nice critique on some mm-hmm. of the things that the feminists have critiqued it for. Absolutely. Um, but it's open to interpretation, I guess, that way, even though I see it as completely being a critique of of everything. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know how people are so divided on it in the movie, but it is a really divisive it's movie. A, it's a movie. Um, it is. Uh, who who uh, directed House of the Devil? House of the Devil. Is that Ty, Ty, Ty West? Is that how you say that? Of the Devil. Ty yeah, West? I don't know. I have to look that up. Um, Ty West, sure. T West. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Ty? Ty West. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, he said his favorite is The Shining. Um, I really like the quote, actually, that he says about horror movies specifically. He says, to me, all the best horror movies are a regular movie first, and then they're a horror movie. And that's what makes Hereditary fascinating, to tie it back into that. No, um, why, why are we bringing it back to Hereditary? We're no, talking no. about The Shining right now. And The Shining, too. Uh, what, what's another good example of that? Um, well, what he specifically says about The Shining is that he says, I, what I think is great about it is that it's not only a horror movie. It's more a movie about an alcoholic man who hates his family, and then it's a horror movie. Yeah, it's really a critique of the white male. Yeah. And for people, like I, like, I watch that movie, and what the subtext that I get out of it is, uh, look at what our culture is like. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, really, they put that up on a pedestal and kind of talk about it. Jim Jarmusch um, did Jarmusch. an interview with... Um, what? Jarmusch. He did an interview with Rotten Tomatoes in which he um, hailed American Psycho as his favorite horror movie. Jim Jarmusch is really interesting. Uh, he just had The Dead Don't Die Out in theaters. Um, I don't know if you... Uh, you remember that one. That's the one with Adam Driver saying ghouls. Oh! Uh, I love Adam Driver. Yeah. Jim Jarmusch has also directed one of my favorite vampires, vampire films, uh, The Only Lovers Left Alive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really fascinating movie with uh, Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. It's two, like, old vampires who are trying to navigate the new world. And it's a... Uh, it's really fascinating. Um, Coffee and cigarettes. Jim Jarmusch is also known for. He's been around a minute. Uh, hmm, what else we got here? Rob Zombie. Twenty eight days later. Okay, no surprise there. Bring that up. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it, but I'll sure I'll say it. Edgar Wright um, really seems to like Dead of Night. Uh, also, there was someone on here that had their favorite movie being Night of the Living Dead, and it made so much sense. Okay. Oh yes, I did see that. Sam Raimi. Yeah. Uh, director of The Evil Dead has Night of the Living Dead as his uh, you know, favorite horror movie. And I did put that on the poll on Patreon just because I feel like Night of the Living Dead is a movie where like, you go to a haunted house and if the haunted houses are playing films and you know there's a bonfire, Night of the Night Living Dead is just one, one of those of movies yeah. that like you know you just want to see. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we thought we'd bring that list up. It's kind of fun to talk about that. And outside of that, that is all we got for this first episode. Went a little bit longer than we were uh, yeah, hoping for. Yeah, a little for. bit longer. A lot longer than we were hoping for. Um, so going forward, they'll probably be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. Um, but as short as 30 minutes, um, for sure. Just depending on what we've got for you. Um, I really had a good time. We spent a lot of time on the uh, Terminator rating. Um, didn't really st- we didn't even talk about the AMC VOD release at all because no. I kind of cut that. Um, I kind of moved on from that, and good thing because we would have been here for longer. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, no, that's what we got for you. Uh, we may do one more. I'm not sure. It depends on kind of how this month plays out. We got a packed month. We do. 
And uh, so we're going to try and get one more episode out for you by Halloween. But um, honestly, though, if we don't have another podcast episode out, um, episode out by that point, uh, we will for sure have our Doctor Sleep review out on the 31st. On Halloween itself, we will have reviewed Doctor Sleep. We'll, um, we got an advanced screening, so we're going to go watch Doctor Sleep. Oh, are we? Uh, you're not, um, but me and Linda are going to go watch Doctor Sleep, and then we'll have a review out for you. So that, that'll be in just a couple of weeks here. Um, so you have that to look forward to, maybe a Zombieland 2 review um, at the top of next week. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, guys, do everything I said. Subscribe. Find us on wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, look at our patron. We don't have any merch, um, but we're going to get more merch, and we're going to throw up a store for you when that comes. Buy our merch. And uh, just help us out. We really appreciate it, and then we can continue doing these shows like this. And uh, eventually, like... Hopefully, this is what we're doing, period. Yeah. So that's the plan. Um, Other than that, if we don't talk to you before Halloween, uh, we hope you have a good Halloween. Stay safe. Don't trick or treat past seven. Um, Check your candy for razor blades and uh, have a safe night. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. My mom was really paranoid about Halloween. Trick or treat until 2 a.m. Don't check your candy first. Just eat it. My mom was paranoid about Halloween. Well, so yeah, much my so. mom checked all my candy too, but no, don't like, do retreat after seven. No, That's she, absurd. No, she, I couldn't get my candy until like a day or two afterwards because she my checked mom it would, that third. I bet she was just eating it. No, my mom didn't like candy, so she. That's what she told you, so you weren't suspicious <laughs> when your Halloween candy disappeared for two days. <laughs> no, but seriously, she I'm would spend on days you, on Michelle. it. Um, she would spend days on it. Um, anyway. Uh, That's all we got for you. Subscribe. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, have a good night. Or day. Or whenever you're listening to this, just have a good time. Period. Bye, guys. Bye.